Welcome to the Retzel Health Law Hotspot. Health Law Hotspot is a podcast for physicians and health professionals that covers the legal issues and trends that affect the healthcare industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Health Law Hotspot. I'm Erica Adler, shareholder and leader of the healthcare practice at Retzel and Andrus. I'm joined by Christina Kuda, who's also part of our health law practice and our expert in healthcare matters of all kinds. And today we're going to be talking about what doctors really need to understand about network status and balanced billing. Some key issues that everyone needs to understand within the broad topic of balanced billing. So first of all, Christina, thanks for being here, of course. And why don't you go ahead and tell us what are some of the billing restrictions that you want doctors to understand that arise under the No Surprises Act? Thanks for having me. So in January 2022, the No Surprises Act is a federal law became effective. And there are two main components to the law. One is a good faith estimate component, which we've discussed in prior podcasts. And the other is this balanced billing restriction. And essentially what it means is if a provider is out of network with the patient's insurer, and they're providing a net, uh, service at an in-network facility. So the facility, the hospital, surgery center are the most common. Uh, that facility is in-network that in most instances, without an exception, which we'll talk about, the provider cannot balance bill the patient. And what that means is they can't bill the patient the difference between their billed charge and what the insurance company actually paid uh, as an out-of-network provider to the physician. And some of the exceptions we'll talk about for this relate to basically three main components. One is emergency services. Patients cannot be charged more from the facility or the provider than if that provider or facility was in-network in an emergency situation. So if you are in an absolute emergency, you go to an emergency room and that emergency room is not in your network, um, you can't be charged more out of pocket than if it were in your network. In non-emergency services, patients can be charged the balance bill, so the difference between what the provider charges and what the insurance company paid, as long as the patient is given prior notice and consents to that. And there's an exception to that we'll talk about in a second. So a really good example would be a surgeon, let's say. A surgeon is not in the patient's insurance network, but he or she is going to provide services at a facility that is in the patient's network. The patient has to receive notice, and we'll talk in a minute about what that notice looks like, and actually consent to understanding that they're receiving a service from an out-of-network provider in an in-network facility and consent to actually be able to be balanced billed. Now there are some services that can never be charged out of network at an in-network facility and they cannot be rectified by noticing consent. So these services, even if a patient consented to be balanced billed, the out-of-network provider cannot balance bill. And that's emergency medicine, anesthesiology, pathology, radiology, neonatology, assistant surgeons, hospitalists, and intensivists. 
Also diagnostic services, including radiology and lab services, cannot be billed, cannot be balance billed, even if a patient were to give consent. Also, if a patient goes to an in-network facility, but only an out-of-network provider there is available to provide the item or service they need, there is no in-network provider available, then the patient cannot be billed as an out-of-network provider. And again, the patient cannot give notice and consent to that. That's an exception to the federal law. Wow. Okay. So that's a lot to take in. So if you are a practice and you're out of network and you're a surgeon providing in-network services, these are notices that you may or may not realize that you should be sending out. A lot of surgeons send out uh, bills directly to patients um, for the amount that they feel they're owed for the surgery without having given that written notice or gotten approval in advance. So I think this is really something that a lot of doctors may not be aware of, particularly smaller or independent providers that don't have, you know, a whole team on board to kind of guide them through that process. So what other steps other than that letter that you mentioned, do we want people to be or providers to be taking to, to help patients understand this? Um, so there's a few things. One is there has to be a notice particularly given to these patients within 72 hours of their service. Um, that notice has to be done either in paper or electronic format at the patient's election. And there are particular statutory requirements of language that have to be in that notice. And actually the government did put out a really good kind of template form that practices can use that makes sure it has that required statutory language. And then patients also must be given a signed copy of that notice, and they can choose to receive that signed copy either um, electronically or in paper format. But when practices are determining sort of if they have to give these notices, one of the things they have to think about initially is, are they often an out-of-network provider in an in-network facility? That is somewhat of a limited circumstance. There are a lot of providers that are in-network and work at in-network facilities, so it's not going to be an issue. And if you're an out-of-network provider working in an out-of-network facility, this doesn't apply as well. So you really need to take a step back and see what your circumstances are to determine if this law even applies. We worked recently with a practice who does um, surgical services and they provide almost all their surgical services in an ASC that they have an ownership interest in. That ASC is out of network and the providers are out of network. So because we don't have a situation where we have an out of network provider with an in-network facility, they don't have to worry about this law. They're always out of network for facility and for the, the particular provider actually providing the service. So I think the, the initial thing really to do is look at your network status and where you're providing your services and see if it applies. If it does, then you need to come up with a form template and a policy and procedure regarding giving notice to these patients where you may be an out-of-network provider. And typically when we work with practices that have started this policy and, and procedure, they're working through that with their billing companies to alert them when this arises. And then they're also working with office management or administration to put that process in place to make sure the notice is being um, provided appropriately, consent is being provided appropriately, and no patients are slipping through the cracks when there is this requirement. 
Right. I think it goes without saying that obviously what we're talking about in network, out network, those are practices that are dealing with commercial uh, insurance and federal insurance. So if you don't take any insurance, you're definitely out of network. Um, and so the out of network comments would apply to you here. You're not in network for anything if all you take is cash and you don't contract with any insurance. And I guess one other thing to just clarify is a lot of uh, providers contract through uh, centralized contracting with PHOs or other groups like that. They may not necessarily always know which entities they're in network or out of network with. Uh, so it may take a little bit of research to actually go and kind of track that down because unless you're doing all your own contracting, you may not actually know whether you're in or out of network with certain facilities. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you may need help from a billing company or if you're contracted through a PHO, for example, reach out to the PHO to see what the network status is just to make sure that you're you're not missing any particular insurers where you might think you're in network and it turns out you're not. Right. And unfortunately, it can be kind of hard to get copies of those contracts, as you and yeah. I know. And because they're constantly negotiating, those can change annually. Um, right. So every year, you know, you should be at least updating your information about who you're in network or out of network with. And don't, you know, if you haven't looked in five years and you were out of network, you could be in network now. Right. And not even realize it. So kind of urging everybody just it's not like a one time check and never look again kind of process. You really need to stay on top of this. Um, all right. So let's talk about how state law could impact what we've talked about here. Sure. So the federal law and the No Surprises Act gives us a floor, but it's not a ceiling. So you could have a state that has more restrictive balance billing protections. And if that is the case, you have to meet that state's more restrictive laws as well. So Illinois does have a balance billing restriction. They've had it for several years, but they did recently make a change. So it used to be the balance billing restriction was only limited to five specialties emergency medicine, anesthesiology, pathology, radiology, and neodontology. In 2002, the law was revised to apply essentially in the same way and to the same items and services as the federal law. So now the Illinois really mirrors the actual federal law when it comes to the balance billing prohibitions. Also, Illinois used to have a specific notice, the specific language that had to be given. Now they have actually modified the law to say you meet the notice requirements for Illinois as long as you meet the federal notice and consent requirements. So essentially that, that federal language I talked about, there's template the government puts out for that purpose. As long as you have a document that meets the federal requirements signed and the patient has provided consent for balance billing, then you've met the Illinois law. But if you work in, in multiple states, um, you know, there are providers that work on borders and they do procedures in different states. We see that a lot with like Illinois and Wisconsin or Illinois and Indiana. You need to make sure you understand the state restrictions in every state where you're providing a service because the state could be more strictive than the federal law and just meeting the federal law is not going to cut it. You have to meet the state restrictions as well. And even if you're not on a bordering state to Illinois, anybody listening to this, if you're in the United States, you need to look at your state. So the Absolutely. option uh, that you must comply with federal law and then you need to check state law, state law could be more restrictive or they might 
defer to federal law or they might not have any state restrictions at all, in which case you follow federal law. So that makes total sense. Um, all right, so this is kind of a tricky area. It's not super hard to comply with, but if you're not aware that it's out there, you may not be complying with it. Um, and so what are the repercussions? And I don't know, we talked about this in our last uh, podcast as well that we did on this topic, but if you've been out there and you're not complying or you you listen to this podcast and you decide it's too much work and you don't want to comply and you're out there balance billing patients when you shouldn't be, what can you expect? Oh, this is a federal law. So you're now in non-compliance with federal law and there's always potential for financial penalties and associated penalties in violating the law. Also, patients actually, there's sort of a, a, a mediation type process that patients can go through if they feel they've not been billed appropriately. And, um, you know, you could lose the ability to receive any payment potentially for a service that you provided if you provided that service and not in accordance with the balance billing restrictions of the No Surprises Act. So, you know, there are financial implications that can occur if you do not appropriately comply with this law. And as always, when there's a law out there, you just want to make sure you comply with it and don't willfully decide you're not going to be in compliance. Um, you know, then you're you're on the government's radar and nobody wants to be on the government's radar. Right. And, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to get people out of trouble. So do yourself a favor. Um, you know, this doesn't take very long to make sure you're complying and or become into compliance if you're not in compliance. So uh, hopefully everyone out there is uh, going to go back and just take a look at whether they're doing things properly. As always, you can reach out to Christina or to me if you have any questions. You can check out other podcasts that we've done at the Health Law Hotspot by going to ralaw.com. And thanks to Christina for all this great advice. And we'll see you guys next time. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Retzel Health Law Hotspot does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have.